Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, Sample Chapter listeners. Welcome to episode 241 of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Hey, I'm not going to take a whole lot of time today as we have an episode that is jam-packed with good stuff. We're going to be talking with Roy Griff Griffiths. We'll be discussing uh, how having a lot of jobs in your past helps as a writer, uh, his inspiration from Edgar Rice Burroughs, using his time in the military to face failure today, and how it was a rite of passage. Uh, how going wherever his imagination takes his muse in writing, and learning the habit and discipline of getting up early to write. Uh, that and so much more, it's all coming up here in just a moment, so stay tuned. Uh, real quick, though, I do want to thank all of you out there who sent me uh, emails and uh, social media messages, well wishes for my knee surgery that took place at the end of July. Everything went well, and uh, I'll, I'll talk more about that next week. I'm just uh, still at home recovering, and uh, but suffice to say, I'm doing, doing a lot better now. Uh, as always, don't forget to check the link in the bottom of the episode for our podcast friends like Pop Goes the Culture Network and the affiliate link for Writer's Block Coffee. Click those and of course you can always reach out to the show through social media or just email me at samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com. All right, without further ado, let's get you over to my conversation with Roy Griff Griffiths. Hello, Sample Chapter listeners. Hey, this week I've got I've got a fun interview ahead for you and uh, someone I cannot wait to introduce to you. This week we are speaking with Roy Griff Griffiths, and uh, and we're having a great conversation already. All kinds of uh, uh, fantastic stuff before the show began. So Roy Griffiths decided to be a writer when he was ten years old and never looked back. He's a husband, father, and a veteran. And he's so far written 13 novels and several award-winning plays and screenplays. Ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome to the show, Roy Griff Griffiths. Hey, Roy. People chapter people. (laughs) And uh, yeah, call me Griff, man. Everybody does. Griff will do. All right. Fantastic. So uh, things are going well. You're in Texas, uh, enjoying the the warm weather, I take it? Yeah, there's a little bit of... uh... The feeling of being tanned like leather when you walk outside right now. Uh, but no, Texas is great. We moved here about, geez, uh, five and a half years ago. I, I was born here, but my dad was in the Air Force, so we promptly left. Um, I've been back, you know, I've been back once or twice prior to that. But uh, yeah, we we dig it. We live in this really small town, like six under six hundred people, um, and we got a. Renovate an old house on a, about a 1.7 acres, and uh, it's it's terrific. It's awesome. Good. Yeah, it sounds nice. Sounds nice. So now you were, uh, you're a veteran. You, you've had a, a slew of jobs, which personally, I have come to believe, because I'm one of those people as well, that having a wealth of uh, job descriptions in my past and and maybe in your past, I think has helped you be a writer today. Would you agree with that? Oh, I would. I would. Um, and yeah, it's one of those, those things, um, you know, you, 
you know, your, your perspective changes as you, we don't like to use the O word, but as you get older, <laughs> you know, you got to, it broadens your perspective. And, and like when I was a kid, I hated the fact I moved around all the time because, you know, my dad was in the Air Force and I, I don't even remember how many elementary schools and, you know, I know I went to two junior highs and two high schools, uh, leaving in the middle of each experience, which is really festive, going from, uh, let's see, from Nebraska to Florida, then Florida to Nebraska. And um, that was a pretty huge culture shock by itself. But, <laughs> but you know, like like the jobs and stuff, I look back on it now and I go, yeah, that, that taught me to like get along with anybody and that I can talk to anybody. And even more important, it taught me that jerk is a universal condition, man. It's <laughs> it's not limited to a, a region, a race, a religion. You know, I mean, it's just the human condition. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, um, the, I don't know about you, but the reason I had so many jobs was, as you said, I decided to be a writer when I was 10. And that was it, man. It, it was like my first and so far only true religious religious experience. Mm. Um and, you know, I, I, I did like to eat, you know, it was one of those food, <laughs> shelter, clothing were, were, you know, important to me at a certain point in my life. So, uh, so yeah, I did a lot of jobs, but all of that was basically just to make it possible for me to write. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, I've just kind of being a writer is something other than being a fisherman, I think writer is the one thing I've always wanted to do. It's always been in the background. Uh, my wife was always supportive of it and and pushed me through the years. And uh, yeah, whenever we, that, well, anybody who listens to the show for a long time, they know that my story was just, once I found out I was going to be a grandpa the first time, that's when I was like, oh, I'm supposed to be a writer by now. I'm supposed to have this office space and, uh, you know, awards and whatever. So yeah. that's a kick myself in the butt and got busy with it, making the time right went from there but yeah it's uh, having that wealth of assistant manager here this associate there and this store and just all kind all kinds of different jobs uh, after i got out of the military my wife joined a couple years later so everywhere we went i was picking up a different job of course. And doing something different and so yeah i've got uh I, I got a lot of titles behind me i'm the i'm the world's best assistant manager so. <laughs> well yeah i felt like um I have a lot of experience in failure, you know, so, uh, <laughs> I, you know, that builds character, if nothing else. This is true. This is true. So what was, uh, what was one of the first things that you wrote and is it published? Oh, golly, no. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was, it was Edgar Rice Burroughs, really, you know, uh, he was my gateway drug, to be honest. Uh, um, don't hear, you know, you don't hear as much of him about him nowadays, but uh, at the time, you know, you people still knew who he was. He he created Tarzan, and you know, um, mm -hmm. which was a was tremendous. And and uh, anyway, so I actually the first one of his books I picked up when I was ten was uh, a prince the a princess of Mars. Um, oh yeah, right. And just just grabbed me and couldn't let me go. So the first thing I wrote by hand, uh, first novel attempt that is was uh you know terrible fan fiction <laughs> it was basically a ripoff of princess of mars no doubt um and uh grace of god i i didn't save it and uh <laughs> you know it'll never be found uh but it turned out i actually was interested in writing before that i just hadn't remembered it 
I was cleaning out my uh, my grandmother's house in Tucson after she died, and and I found a story I'd written in second grade. Oh, nice! And uh, something about you know like being a one of the coyotes up in the hills. It was very Jack Londonish, actually. <laughs> so yeah, uh, and I have no idea where that is either. But uh, yeah, I I guess I just like telling stories, man. And uh, uh, the first thing I got published uh, wasn't until 25. So this was back in the day when you typed, for those of you who don't know what that is, you can see a picture of one on the <laughs> internet. But, you know, you had to type it up yourself and then you, you send it in the envelope to a magazine and you have a little, you have a smaller envelope inside so they can send you the rejection slip. You know, you're like, you're mm-hmm. like paying the freight the whole way of, of here, let me give this to you. I'm going to pay for you to reject me. Uh <laughs> And uh, I, I'd written this, to put this in context, I mean, one of my jokes is, and it's true, is the reason I don't have a writing career is I can't write the same thing all the time. Um, You know, um, when I was in the, was in the Coast Guard um, at this air station that I worked at in San Francisco when I was a rescue swimmer, they knew I wanted to write and they had a, they had like a station newsletter and said, Hey, you want to write something for it? I said, okay, and I had this idea about a prince who thought he was a frog. You know, I was trying to turn around the fairy <laughs> Yeah, tale. reverse it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it was called His Amphibian Hood. So I sat down and wrote this short story, and they liked it, and that was great, and and people, I think, were surprised I was actually a little coherent when I did that. Um, and so then people were coming up to me and saying, when are you going to write your next children's book? And I was like, I've already <laughs> written that. <laughs> and my next story, in fact, was about a merchant seaman who came back from a long deployment to find out his wife was dead and nobody had told him. And then he has to go hunt the hunt down the female vampire who killed her. You know, so <laughs> I just whatever whatever hits me, man, if it. I don't know if it vibes with me, I'll write it yeah. to, to a point to a point. OK, all right. So um, and I, I take it uh, going along with that vibe, you're kind of. Uh, flying by the seat of your pants when you're right or do you plan that out oh man well that's the funny thing um you know i i, I did the short stories which basically got nowhere other than this this one's really this is like my only officially published short stories 25 and it happened to be a story i had written uh i don't know where your stuff comes from but my stuff comes from just a lot of wondering hmm. i ask questions i hear i hear a, somebody talking or i read something and and there's like this question that goes to my mind because I, I just start wondering, you know, well, well, well hell, if I was there, you yeah, know, right? Um, yeah. You know, if I was, uh, yeah, oof. hey, any story here, right? I, I just like take a little further. Well, why did they do that? How come, what in the hell would somebody be thinking to be doing that? Uh, or why didn't they do, you know, just just whatever, right? And they just, my mind sure. is gone. So this story 25 was about a, a one night stand. I'd never had a one night stand at 25. I, I had no game, but, um, but it, it was, it actually, it was, to put it that way, it makes it sound like it was erotic. And it really wasn't. It was, it was more about these, these two people who meet and, uh, and they have no real skill or, or willingness to be vulnerable, to be really vulnerable mm. You know, to go beyond the one night stand act. And, and at the end, it was very, uh, it was, uh, 
there was just like a briefest description actually of the one night stand just yeah. basically alluded to the fact you know boinking had occurred but um but you know it's, it's the the sort of the 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 emptiness to disconnect in the morning when they wake up and you know like and they don't really know what to say to each other mm-hmm. uh and like it's not that either person was bad and um like it's one of my one of my favorite lines uh was the very end of the story where uh they're you know they're going off to their their separate uh, lives and the guy s- says goodbye and he said um you know it wasn't au revoir or avidazen it was something an atheist says at the grave of a loved one boom and that was it um so um yeah so that was my first published story at, at 25 and mm-hmm. and and again and who knows what i wrote after that i can't remember but uh <laughs> So I did the, the short story thing, but I've always loved movies, and and so I, I um, and I was in community theater and high school theater, so I wrote plays, and and eventually, you know, dump, jumping into screenplays was sort of a natural progression, mm-hmm. um, and very self-taught. But screenplays and plays are, are actually so structured for anybody who's, who's even you read a screenplay in the or a play kind of in their manuscript format and. It's it's the blueprint of what somebody is going to actually eventually see or hear or experience, right? So because of that, um, I I I was I was never able to just sit down and say, hey, I'm going to write 120 page screenplay and I'll figure it out as I go, just because of the constraints of you got to say, well, you know, interior, old room in a house and, and this, and then <laughs> you know, Griff dialogue, you know, with much waving hands says whatever so i would end up for a, a player screenplay writing essentially like a 20 page single pa- single spaced short story of the player movie i wanted to write and then i would you know that's where i kind of worked out all that stuff oh, okay right and then then more or less i was just transcribing it into the, the screenplay format but yeah. i still had you know sneak things in mm-hmm. but so i didn't really start writing novels till i was like uh I guess 50, maybe. No. And, uh, I think what year is this? It may have been <laughs> even a little, but, um, but that's where I totally just went by the seat of my pants. You know, you, if, you know, if you're the writers out there know this, but, you know, sure. Maybe you put in a long day, you could knock out a 30 or 40 page short story. If you're just like on fire and mm-hmm. give up on all your responsibilities of feeding the animals or, showering or any of that kind of stuff um but I, you know i can't do that with a, a a novel but what i did discover and again completely self-taught after i'd gotten burned out I, I was a writer in hollywood for a year i belonged to the to the writers guild and yes boys and girls most of the stories you hear about hollywood are true and um i'm not talking about the fun ones either um so uh you know, and I, I said, man, I, I just had I just had to set aside. Um, I had a store, I had a screenplay that uh, uh, this my uh, my manager at the time said, man, you came as close as you can possibly come to selling a screenplay without actually doing it. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm motivated here, but I'm not sure in the correct way. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, I, I I just couldn't make any headway, uh, and uh, so the the I, I got paid to write a, a teleplay of a terrible Frank Herbert novel, which I will not name here. Um, 
But then after that money ran out, I had to take take a look around and go, you know, uh, I, you know, I'm a single dad, got a five year old kid, and I'm going, well, shit. Um, you know, I I gave it a good shot. One one yeah. of the things, you know, and and I think you got to that realization later than I did. One of the things I I had in my mind was that I would rather die knowing I tried. Mm. I wishing I, I even that I had tried. Yeah, try and yeah. fail. Okay, that that seems, you know, I mean, there's an honorable failure, <laughs> and there's kind of a craven. <laughs> I don't want to be the craven failure guy. So yeah, uh, it was the same thing with um, when I went to the rescue swimmer school. It was a new program in the Coast Guard, and uh, I was looking for kind of a personal challenge, uh, which I realize now. Man, I am slow on the uptake. I realize now <laughs> that what I did 30 odd years ago, well, almost 30 years ago, was um was I was looking for a rite of passage, mm. which we don't have a lot of in America these days. And maybe if I'd stayed in one place, I would have gotten the Boy Scouts and you know done that. But you know, I, I would have I needed something to to sort of say, I'm a man, I'm an adult, I'm no longer a, a child. Um, mm-hmm. right. So yeah. that was that's kind of what the Coast Guard was all about for me, the um, the Rescue Swimmer School particularly. And it was the same thing. I was a geek in high school. And I mean, I didn't learn to throw a, a baseball until I was 22. That's totally on me because I was like this this complete introvert. I was a, a you know, a drama nerd in, in high school and all that. So the Rescue Swimmer School program was so new. It was taught, uh, the swimming part of it was taught by the Navy down in Pensacola. They said it was the, um, and this is actually what, what maybe, that's what maybe go after it was the idea. They said, this is the second toughest school in the Navy, except for the SEALs. Hmm. Well, that, that sounds like the personal challenge I'm looking for. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, and it was kind of that thing. I thought I am, I would rather just try and fail. Mm-hmm. I wish I, so, yeah. um, there's a point to this somewhere, but um, <laughs> yes, I'm going to get to your, I'm going to answer your question sooner or later, by God. But you asked about novels. Yeah, what I what I kind of found was uh, after you know after having done the short stories, which you can knock out in a day, screenplays very structured and uh, you know heartbreaking and all that. Um, you know the writing. I just got to the point where it's okay. I really. I tried the screenwriting thing, you know, I mean, I worked my way, I did the steps, I got here, I just couldn't get the ball across the line. Mm. Okay, now I got to like, if you will, grow up. And, uh, you know, so I just put the screenwriting aside. And uh, I was a substitute teacher during the day. And I, I took some IT classes at night. And I, I got a I got a real job at 40, finally. Um you know, doing IT work for this corporation. Mm-hmm. But I found I still wanted to, I still, I don't know, felt like I had to, like I wanted to write stories because I, you know, yeah, who am I unless I'm writing, right? Which you, you may, you may dig. So I just kind of started writing one day and, and uh, it started out as a short story and then it had so much, there was so much more, it was telling me it was there. I just kind of kept going. And, and what I discovered 
and it's it's the same with any novel I write now. Um, I've got to have probably like you. I mean, I have all these these weird ideas just floating around pretty much all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, something will uh, something will spark me, or I'll say something funny, uh, or uh, you know, you hear somebody misread something, and you go, "Okay, what's that about?" Here's one exactly. demon yep. skin. This <laughs> my wife. This was a misspelling in one of the college papers my wife was reading, and she said it aloud. And I said, ah, oh, that's mm-hmm. where the demons, uh, you know, they rope and uh, brand that's, you know, the souls or something. <laughs> um, and, you know, that, and that's just the kind of thing. And yeah. I may never use that, but it's out there. And and so I'll have all these ideas or these questions I've asked, you know, um, uh, that my historical fiction, uh, which we're not talking about today, but it's, it's a good example. Uh, the ins- the beginning idea for that was from a story I heard when I was about 23 from an English woman, 23. This would have been back in the 70s. An English woman was working on a play with me, one of my, my early one acts. And we were shooting the breeze and she was telling me about her grandfather who had fought in the trenches in World War I. Mm. And he had told her the worst thing about being in the trenches. And you can imagine there were a lot of bad things about being in the trenches, but he said for him, the worst thing was that, uh, was being stuck in the trench and listening to the wounded horses scream and not be able to do anything about it. Oh. Right. And, and that just stuck with me. And, and you're yeah. there the questions like, wow, what would you, you know, you're there. What would you do? What was that like? Oh my, Oh, how could somebody hear that? And not want to do something. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and again, that was just out there in the the giant uh, Jungian uh, collection of ideas floating around in my head. And then one day, you know, ten or twelve years later, I had another idea, or another, you know, it was another question. So at age fifty, those two ideas line up. You know, yeah. I've got I've got the trenches at the beginning, and I got this other idea as the ending, and mm-hmm. it just went ping. I've got a story. And that's become the way I, I write all my novels. If I have mm-hmm. a beginning image and an ending image, I start at the beginning and I fight my way to the end. Okay. Uh, right. Like my historical fiction, when I first conceived this, this, oh, hey, starts here, ends here. I thought one book. Well, that was actually the first novel I had written. And it turned into six books and half a million words. So, um <laughs> You know, and again, I since it was really my first novel, it was all that learning experience of hey, characters are showing up. I, I needed uh, I needed my hero to have um, you know an assistant in this one one scene. This is World War One England, and I said, okay, so here's a Batman. You know, and, and I may be pronouncing it correctly, but you know, it's sort of the the valet, the the whatever that officers would have to help them you mm. know, look, look spiffy. And uh, he just showed up. He, he was there. And then he just kept showing up. And, you know, and for some people, <laughs> this guy became their favorite character. Uh, you know, and and people would start talking and they would have, it was, anyway, it was really cool. And it sounds it sounds really self-indulgent to talk, to, to put it that way. And, but a lot of really writers have noticed is that the characters begin to take on lives of themselves. Um, yeah, they do. Yeah. 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 And I don't well, even know what kind of stuff you write, and here I am. Well, and no, and then, but that's amazing because yeah, it's, it's I, I've experienced that myself. I've talked to talked to lots of other authors who same thing. They'll create a character just to finish a scene, 
And then later on, well, I need that character to come back. And the next thing you know, you know, by, maybe by the end of that book or even book two, they're like a main character in the storyline. They have a story themselves. They have things to tell. And then it, it's amazing. It's like, where did that come from? How did this happen? Yeah. It, it you know, being in the middle of it, if you stop thinking about it, and I try not to, it could get a little, it's kind of, it's, in a way it's creepy because it's like this person shows up and then after a little while you're realizing he's got his whole backstory it, it, all his you know his motivations his wounds or her wounds um you know and and i don't know about you man but um when when i'm when i'm writing like that and um uh it's almost like i'm plugging back into to another world mm. and that that was kind of the beauty of what what happened uh, because at the time i was driving 55 to 70 miles to work in california uh getting up early to do that and every other day i was going to go i was picking up my son and stuff so that really screwed my schedule around i was discovering at the end of the day i was wiped man i had no energy and yet i had to like dig deep to be a dad to this this great kid um had to got to right but so i discovered my best bet was getting up early in the morning when it was just me a cup of coffee and the cat um and i could start i could knock stuff out at first, it was tough, man. It, it was hard. I mean, I'd just be there in my eyes, barely open. But I, I kept working on this book, and and I discovered it was like the discipline that I had to learn, you know, and the res rescue swimmer about the whole little physical discipline. Um, you know, it's boring, it's hard, it's uncomfortable, uh, can get repetitive, um, but it is for a purpose, and. I was kind of, I guess, sort of able to apply that to writing the novel. And after a while, I discovered, again, just thing I didn't, I didn't realize, that even if I didn't know, you know, I mean, I'm still hacking toward my, you know, hacking through terra incognita in my subconscious to get to this end I have, I have pictured. Mm -hmm. And I, even if I didn't know precisely where I was going to go the next morning, at, after a while, I discovered if I put my fingers on the keys, man, and I started typing... You know, I'd, I'd reread the last paragraph or two to make sure I kind of knew where I was. The words were there. And that was also really, uh, really cool to experience. And, and um, yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, and, and you were alluding to this earlier. Uh, the same kind of thing for me was that, yeah, I spent years of, uh, I'd get up in the morning and I'm either watching what was on the DVR for shows that I've been keeping track of and wanting to follow or i'd be playing a video game uh sometimes with the kids or sometimes on my own game uh, something that i was into and once i had that revelation hit me like all right i'm about to be a grandpa and i'm not doing the things i always wanted to do i always thought uh eh, down the road there's gonna be time there's gonna be something and i realized you know you just don't know because all of a sudden it could be 10 years down the road you never you never know and i started right away it's like all right well Maybe I won't watch TV in the morning. Maybe mm -hmm. I'll stop playing games. And that's what I did. I stopped doing all that kind of stuff and started focusing on my writing and just trying it out and seeing what's. And that's what I've done now for the last, oh gosh, eight, nine years. And what's funny is I don't, I, there's not a show or a game that I miss that I look back and say like, oh man, I wish I was playing that again or that, that feeling. Cause there's so much of that kind of, Oh, gosh, I enjoy playing games, but it's also a, it's a hollow victory. 
You know, it's like, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't take that somewhere and go, look what grandpa did. I beat that level, you know, <laughs> but I can hold up a book and go, look what grandpa did. And this is yeah. going to be here forever. And, no lie. Totally. Yeah. And that's something I'm really proud of that I'm following my dreams and my grand, my grandkids, you know, they look at me and go like, look, grandpa's written his third book. He's doing a fourth one now. And he's got a short story too. And, and I'm like, yep, there's, there's things that matter. And I loved having that, uh, Uh, that dawning that kind of hit me of like, this is what's important to me. So not to take anything away from other people who want to get up and catch up on a DVR or play a video game or whatever. Hey, that's great. Go right ahead, dude. You know, whatever matters to them. Yeah. um, It's, it's funny you talk about, you know, you don't know about 10 years down the road. I, uh, uh, I was looking at what, you know, like like how long is 30 years, right? That's just a little (laughs) over 10,000 days. Yeah, man. Yeah, I may want to do a little bit better with my days. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, um, I. But to go back to what you said about you know showing your grandkids, it I think it was also that was kind of in the back of my mind is you know maybe it's important to. I want to show my son. I think the importance of pursuing a dream. Yeah, I feel really lucky since. Since we're talking about this, and I hope you didn't have a script, man, because we're not on it. We're completely <laughs> off script now. This but, is why I don't go to script. I want to. <laughs> I want to get into stuff that that we're passionate about. But you know, I mean, um, you know, um, okay, time, right? We're talking about time. You go to a high school reunion. You see the people who died, yeah. um, and and uh, you go, whoa. Um, or you look at some, you know, some of the, you know, your friends' life choices or whatever, and and um, I just feel really fortunate that I've known since I was ten years old what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. and I went after it, you know, yeah. with a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of stepping on my dick, a lot of tripping, and you know, like I said, I'm a master of learning from failure, but and on the other hand, I can't imagine what life would be like what life i can't imagine how you put up with a lot of crap in life without having that goal or that dream mm. to like to 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 put it in perspective you know because if if i if i didn't have the writing and you know it's like oh well here i am in a low paid job again um you know i don't know what i'm going to do with my life and i don't know why i'm i'm here well, of course, the obvious answer is uh, the chicks, you know, <laughs> sidebar, right? We do it. We do it for the chicks, basically. One for the chicks. You and I, we could live in a station wagon at the beach pretty happily, you know, be a barista and surf in the morning. But uh, but besides that, but I mean, I, I seriously, I do feel really fortunate. I had that and I can't imagine how tough it would be to you know, to sort of get through the days without a reason. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, you know, I just, I just feel blessed. Oh God, it's been frustrating, heartbreaking. And, uh, and, you know, I mean, we can joke about failure, but that, that shit hurts. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, it, it, having that dream does give me, gives me a reason to, you know, say, yeah, okay. So I'll try something else, but I, but by God, I'm still going for the same goal. Yeah. And, you know, I just, um, I feel bad for some uh, some of my high school friends 
who I don't think I'm not sure how to say it. I don't think they had a life. They had they had they had a living, mm-hmm. you know. They had a an enduring, and um, and yeah, I think that that would be tough for me, man. <clears throat> that would be really tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so uh, so with your with the dreams, following your dreams, you know, we're both along those lines. How do you cope with um, stumbling along the way, or like whenever you? Because uh, you, you've got a lot of stuff that's uh, traditionally published, so when you send it off and they're coming back, going like, "No, we don't want that," or you know, or this this isn't right for what we want. How do you cope with that, or do you? Does it even bother you? Um, you know, not like you used to, and and um, yeah, just to put this in context, um, um, uh, grew up in a um, it's one it's one of those weird stories. My dad was an alcoholic. Uh, not, not a, you know, not abusive, not mean, but it still changed him. And for, yeah. for a kid that makes you weird. And then of course my mom was angry at him for drinking and that added further. You know, so, sure. so I had that and, um, the whole introvert kid thing working against me and trying to sort of figure that out. I ended up telling myself some lies that were not really useful to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, one of those lies um which was one one of the important ones was like to have hair like clint eastwood when i was this age well clearly i was wrong but the one that was you know really destructive was since i knew i had this dream this goal and i think i kind of expected that to uh complete me fulfill me you know Mm. it was it was gonna be my you know my salvation and so by I took that and I said, okay, this is my identity. This is my whole identity. It's all I got. You know, I'm a writer. And, and this, there was this voice and you know, I don't know who put it there. I'm thinking I did. You know, I don't, I don't know. You know, I can't pin this on my parents or anything, you know, um, what, but there's this voice in my head that said, if you're not a success as a writer, you're nothing. And nobody's going to love you. (laughs) You know, and I, and whoo, Whoa, um, you know, uh, you, you know, if you're not a success as a writer, you're not lovable. Boy, how good was that for relationships? Says the guy yeah. who's on his third marriage, right? Um, and so I dragged that around with me a long time, uh, far longer than I needed to, I'm sure. But really, you know, it's really poisonous. Um, um, and anyway, when I was about 28, somebody in the Coast Guard <laughs> heard me bitching about something once and they looked at me and they said is your dad an alcoholic I'm like, whoa where's this coming from and anyway this guy uh god love him he, he suggested i go check out some 12-step programs and and that was kind of the beginning you know hmm. that uh of, of it was part of the beginning the real yeah. beginning is actually rescue swimmer school because you know i was terrified i'd never done anything like that in my life um and, um, you know, and there's, there's like guys around me who have been football players their whole life, you know, and it was pretty freaky to be in a pool in the dark at night doing a drill where you're swimming around with your hands in the back of your, your trunks and the instructors are leaping up from underwater to drag you down to, <laughs> um, you know, test your ability to get free. And it was very freaky for, you know, scrawny little drama geek me 
to be hearing these football players screaming, <laughs> get off. <laughs> but anyway, so I survived that. And, and that was really helpful to write a passage again, because it cha- started to change my thinking in, in that, um, you know, I came out of that and I went, you know, I, I may have been wrong about some of the things I believe about myself, you know, um, mm. I'm a lot tougher than I than I thought I was not like in a badass way but an endurance way you know an ability to sit down and keep you know falling forward as we used to say on those long runs or you know just just keep stroking Mm -hmm. and that began to shift my perception and then Al-Anon kind of took me further and helped me break free of that that lie you know um and and you know and I was able to get to that point and again it didn't wasn't overnight this is late 30s where it finally was starting to click with me was that um you know i i write because i i love to write mm-hmm. know, I, I love to create stuff and and sometimes i astonish myself and you know i'll, re- I'll read this i'll read stuff and i'll say i am not that smart <laughs> i do not know this much about human nature but it's there on the page yeah so so that's kind of a long way of saying I, I got to the point when I put away that poisonous belief that I was only valuable if I was a success, however you define success, which changes, you know, as we age. When I was younger, it was Hollywood, starlet, poolside, rubbing coconut oil on me, um, you know, and, and when I was able to free myself from that and just look at my life and say, you know what? I'm going to write for myself. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I would, I would like people to read my stuff. Um, and lately I've been unplugging from the idea of financial success too, because I realized I wrote for free for a long time. Mm-hmm. And um, With self-publishing, I can put it out there and maybe people want to read it. Maybe they don't. But so, so yeah, it's, it's disappointing when somebody you know, turns you down because I'll still enter the odd contest every now and then. Um, and if I don't make it, that's annoying. Um, because I've, I've read some of the winners. I'm like, Oh man, that's, that's crap. Um, <laughs> but I think just recognizing that at a certain point, I'm just going to write anyway. Mm-hmm. And, and I think also when I decided there's a, there's kind of a, an ethical obligation about what I write. Um, I, I, like I said, that that first thing was was not porn, but it's going to be this this tough subject, and it got printed in the Erotic Fiction Quarterly, and it was the least erotic story in the whole damn book. <laughs> um, but you know, I I, I mean, as a, you're like me, you brought you're a reader, right? We we're talking about mm-hmm. that. Um, I realized at a certain point, um, you know, once uh, probably once I was a father, that became really clear to me that um, I don't want to write garbage. Mm. It's fine to write light, entertaining, diverting stuff. Nothing wrong with that. People need something to take them out of, you know, my life as a coal miner. Right. Mm -hmm. But I also, but I went further and I said, you know, I, I, I refuse to write something that is going to diminish somebody. You know, mm-hmm. you, you've read books, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you Like me, you know, you probably read widely. I've read books that make me feel defiled. 
Yeah. And, you know, James Elroy, um, you know, he, if you know about him, he had a terrible childhood and it clearly affected him. But, you know, he, his books revel in the ugly. They revel in, you know, the the debasement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, or books that, that sort of really thrive on the pornography of the, the violence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I said, OK, I'm not going to write that. Um, and I can't write literature. Uh, you know, I, I read some, I had to read some literature, literature, uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, a certain kind of, you know, like some, most of the stuff people were talking about, I said, these people are jerks, you know, and, and you know, the, the, a lot of the theme of those books was life is pointless and people are terrible and why bother? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, you know, First, I don't want to waste my time on that. Um, and, and second, it also seemed um, it seemed like a lie. Mm. You know, it, it was, um, I don't know if it was just the trend. I don't know the environment that it was created by. I mean, you know, you got the John Cheevers uh, and, uh, you know, those guys who sort of live up in New England around the metropolitan areas. And maybe it seemed like people didn't have choices, but you do. You know, yeah. and, and that's the the thing that I think got me away from literature because so much literature was, oh no, you know, we're all victims of of you know society, the man, the system, you know, side normative patriarchy, whatever. Mm-hmm. And and therefore our lives are horrible and we can't do anything about it. We are simply victims. And that that's just bullshit. And yeah, I don't want to write bullshit, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I the only way the only times I'm gonna write bullshit is when you know I'm writing bullshit uh, to make fun, <laughs> and that's kind of that takes us right into Cthulhu amalgamated. But but you know I, I'm yeah, I, like I said when I freed myself of those things and recognize I'm just gonna write and I'm gonna do the best I can. I'm gonna write something that, if possible, will ennoble people. You know. Uh, it's, I'm not going to write anything to diminish people or make them feel uh, less than or hopeless. So, and if I can tell a good story along the way, which is uh, always the goal, mm-hmm. to, uh, if I can make somebody laugh or gasp or cry or think a little, that's cool. But yeah, first, I'm going to try to tell a good story. You know, a story that's as engaging and actually, you know, maybe takes somebody on an emotional ride to a good place not the emotional rights oh god you know i'm gonna go all sylvia plath and put my head in the oven for a thing uh, <laughs> so yeah well i like that so it's just you get that acceptance that just like your own reading it's like some of the you know some of your, the stuff that you write were will be for some people it might not be somebody else's and that's totally fine so it's yeah. just it's hopefully it finds somebody that does enjoy it and they have a laugh or they, they have a think and uh, maybe they want to seek you out next time. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, it's, it's uh, the writing is, you know, for me, some of it's just, well, what the hell can I come up with here? Mm -hmm. And where does this go? And um, yeah. So there we go. There you go. I think I answered the question. I'm not sure the question was anymore. I think, but I think we got there. I answered something, <laughs> whether you asked it or not. Yeah. 
So, I mean, so you were talking about uh, you write kind of widely, uh, which is cool. You're just following wherever the story is is uh, leading you. You have some uh, historical books in your past, and then you have this other outrageous book that just the cover and the name caught me with the uh, the HR. And now you have a uh, looks like um, what was it? It's the monster from HR or something like that. Yeah, book one is the thing from HR. Thing from HR, yeah. Right. Book yeah. two is uh, the auditors of doom. <laughs> And uh, book three, I've got to look at the title here. Uh, it's the Break Room of a Thousand Nightmares. My, my son suggested that title because uh, <laughs> he read the first two books. Oh my gosh! And that's uh, Cthulhu Augment uh, Amalgamated. Yes, sir. Oh my gosh! All right. So now, where where does this come from? What uh, what do we need to know before uh, leading into this series? And do you have to read them in order, or are they kind of standalone? They're stand well. First, they're standalone-ish. I mean, it's not like um, you know the whole the whole goal of the books is we've got to we've got to throw your uh, security badge of irony into you know the fires of of Mount uh, Corporate Doom or something. <laughs> um, it's more like the the character's journey than um, um, than a straight you know straightforward Harry Potter type trilogy with building to the big confrontation. Okay. Um, but yeah, pr probably reading them in order would, would help people uh, get a sense of the world because I had to, I had to kind of create a, a different, um, a different environment to tell this story. <laughs> so you, you asked where this came from. I'll try to make this really, apparently I have no short stories. Um, I'll try to make this brief though. So I, Took me about six years to write the By the Hands of Men series, the historical fiction we talked about, um, which again started out as one book, and apparently I can't shut up as this video is is uh, evidence <laughs> of. Um, so that was a lot of research too, and that was, I guess, one point I was going to mention. I write from the seat of my, you know, by the seat of my pants, the old mm. the old answer term. But I, for something like a historical fiction, I I will do a lot of research because I want it to be uh, accurate. Um, it, accurate enough just to get to give people a sense of the world and you know when i when i write novels i i've discovered i like to give myself a sort of creative challenge mm. with um um by the hands of men i said i want to write this like it was um written contemporaneously with the events of the story which start in world war one and end up in hollywood in 1937 so what that meant you know was uh it affected how I wrote a lot. I mean, it affected my dialogue, uh, my my sentence structure, the syntax, and even the way I describe things. You know, um, mm -hmm. there's a I didn't want to go the easy way out with. Well, there's two reasons for that. One is you know there's the easy way out of, like I said, that pornography of the extreme graphicness of of all kinds of different subjects. You know, mm -hmm. so, but still it was part of the story so i had to find a way to write around that stuff excuse me so i discovered a lot of my scenes have a hole in the center but readers seem to like that because it really engages them it, it's it, it forces them to fill in that hole yeah so i have to write around it again without using those those shortcuts uh of those other things mm -hmm. so six years a lot of research you know a lot of early mornings we moved out here as i was finishing the last book and we were renovating this house i'm in now so i was pretty tired and uh, you know i said hey I, i'm just gonna chill for a few months at least and um 
Uh, so then uh, my, um, and I just started having some success, success with the series, which was kind of funny. And then my high school girlfriend died really suddenly and unexpectedly mm. and, and, and tragically, we, you know, she'd been my first love and first fan. And, uh, you know, we'd stayed in touch over the years and I, and like send her, Hey, here's my new screenplay or book, whatever, read this. Yeah. And I thought I had like another 20 years to harass her with my writing. So, um, uh, she died. And, uh, unfortunately her life had gone off the rails pretty badly and she, she hadn't, you know, really shared that with me. So I was surprised by how much the experience kicked my slats in. So, mm. so like, man, oh man, I don't feel like, I just don't feel like writing anything for a while. Yeah. And then my mom died six months later. Oh, Oh, Hey, I'm useless for a year here. So after about a year, I could get through a day without weeping. Um, I said, yeah, I'm starting to feel like I want to start writing something, but I don't think I can write anything serious right now. And um, so I, so this, uh, this actually the beginning chapter of the book was kind of this vague idea I had had at work one day. Um, you know, I'm a manager for uh, a, a bank here in East Texas, uh, IT manager of the help desk. And I was looking through resumes, and I'm sure you've done your share of that. Hmm. And at the time, this was probably this was probably close to four years ago. Um, at the time, the trendy phrase everybody had to use on their resumes, you know, uh, for people who haven't been in the corporate world, corporate worlds go through trends just like everybody else, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, one year the the big book is "Who Moved My Cheese," right? Oh yeah. Then the next year is be the cat, steal the cheese, whatever it is. You know, there's always some trend that that people just kind of go along <laughs> with. Right. Um, well, re in resumes, the trend that year was thought leader. Right. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm a network engineer. I'm certified. I'm this. And I'm a thought leader. And, you know, you read that 50 or 60 times. And you start going, wow, what a fatuous title. <laughs> Is it, it everybody? Not everybody can be a thought leader. Yeah, Some of us lost followers. Anyway, and and as my mind does sometimes, it just wandered, and I was thinking, what could be a more fatuous title than thought leader? And from out of nowhere comes this this term to my mind, which was the blithering excrescence from beyond the stars. <laughs> and I said. Okay, where does this guy work? And then the obvious answer was he worked for the Cthulhu organization. <laughs> it's, it's, it's clear. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. I see it. You know? Yeah. So uh, I just sat down one day and wrote the opening chapter. Just be, and, and it, again, it just kind of, all this stuff just kind of popped out. I said, wow, this, this is kind of fun. And then when I decided it was, I was, I felt like writing again. I said, I, I, I need to write something fun. Wait, I've got this idea and, and let me pull it over and look at it. Okay. And I'm going to write this uh, really unusual story. And the creative challenge I put to myself was if it makes me laugh, chuckle, lift an eyebrow wryly, I'm just going to throw it in there. You know, I'm mm -hmm. not going to edit myself. I'm just going to go for it. And if people don't like it, that's fine. 
Yeah. And uh, so it became this, uh, it became a lot more than I expected, but it became this uh, thing out of water story, if you will. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. And that's how awesome. I started. That's I mean, awesome. Yeah. yeah and, and, you know, obviously it was started out as a little bit of a, a satire of, of uh, corporate life. Anybody who's worked in a corporation realizes at some point they become your personal hell. And, yeah. um, you know, for, for all the good they, they, they may do or they could do for you. I mean, a lot of mortgages got paid by working in corporations, but mm. um, so it was a little bit of that. Then it just kind of, it just went out in some other directions as well. Okay. But that's turned into three books so far, which is yeah. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, was, you know, people like my characters, and uh, and you know, for you guys that are listening who want to be writers, um, and you haven't, you know, you don't want to waste your time uh, sending. Don't send your stuff to regular publishing, man. Just self-publish. It's not that hard. And and I don't know, I don't know, Jason, what you do, but uh, one of the, one of the yeah. coolest things, um, you know, Amazon's the devil in a lot of ways, but with self-publishing one of the cool things that happened that might never happen was i'll get emails you know from readers mm -hmm. um like the historical fiction one i was getting emails from um you know like 86 year old lady who had worked in london uh in the swing in 60s for uh, dudley moore and peter cook oh you wow know? I never heard that story. It was just a terrific little story. And then some other guy sends me a, you know, tells me about how he was in the uh, new Dutch, the West Dutch Indies militia during World War II, fighting <laughs> the Japanese. Yeah. Anyway, that stuff is uh, so. Um, yeah. And I, I, you know, same kind of thing with um, Cthulhu Amalgamated. You, you know, people would write reviews and and tell me how much they enjoyed it and that's a re that's really gratifying it yeah. is it is yeah yeah i'm i'm self-published as well uh, right now that's just i'm having fun with that and then uh do a anthology looks like we're gonna be doing this annually but with my local writing group uh, but uh yeah so speaking of emailing you reaching out to you where can people find and follow you so that they can reach out to you okay um i should have this written down somewhere but i don't um <laughs> well my website is uh uh, Roy M, as in Madison, so Roy M Griffiths.com. I'm on Facebook at uh, Roy M Griffiths Storyteller. Uh, I think it's at Storyteller Roy on Twitter. I try not to go there very much. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and those are those are three good places. All right, fantastic. And of course, everybody, we're going to have links for that in the show notes. That way, you don't have to. Uh... You don't have to search through and find them. Just scroll down to the bottom on wherever your podcast player of choice is. And uh, you can click those links and it'll take you right over so that you can check out uh, Roy's books and uh, whatever strikes your fancy. Because Roy's got uh, a wealth of uh, books for you, whatever whatever you're interested in. Roy, thank you so much for joining me, uh, Griff. This has been a blast. And uh, I, I've enjoyed this roller coaster ride with you. Uh, it's been emotional. It's been funny. And uh, I'm having a good time, man. <laughs> well i appreciate you taking the time man it's been fun and uh you know maybe next time i get on i'll talk to you about your books and your writing career ah there you go there you go all right folks 
So don't forget, uh, next time we're going to be back with uh, Roy again, and we're going to be checking out his uh, sample chapter from Cthulhu Amalgamated. Talk to you guys later. Thanks. Thanks.